The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. This is Lee Whitting, welcoming you once again to NDE Radio. I'm leaving our sponsor, Ions, out of the introduction today because... As a nonprofit research organization, IONS tries to stay clear of the minefields of religion and politics. IONS' interests are purely to learn what we can learn from reports of the near-death experience and other mystical happenings whenever and wherever they intrude on our otherwise three-dimensional lives. Today, however, I'm going to jump into NDE's politics and religion with both feet, so... Please feel free to blame me alone for whatever results. We're broadcasting the show on President's Day, uh, 2017. That's February 20th. Just one month since uh, Donald Trump was sworn in as president. And moreover, by my calculation, this is just about the 180th um, edition of NDE Radio. It's hard to believe we could possibly have done 180 uh, broadcasts, but that's, by my count, um, that's where we stand. And as the expression goes, when you do a 180, you're turning around, looking back on the path you've been on thus far. So, first of all, some basics about uh, life in general. Uh, one of the things that intrigues us about life on this planet is that uh, uh, I think it's the power to choose in our own Small way we get this godlike power to opt for this or not for that, from what we have for breakfast to what we study in school, what we choose to do as a career, who we want to marry. I speak ideally, of course. Some things are totally out of our control. For example, two weeks ago, our beloved Samoyed dog Samara died. My wife and I and our whole church congregation were heartbroken, of course. We had chosen her out of the litter more than 11 years ago, and she, we felt she was the best choice we may ever have made. Uh, if it had been our choice, she would have spent the rest of our lives with us. Uh, I've often thought that uh, our pet's deaths are God's way of reminding us of our own mortality. About the time of her death, we found a squirrel had moved into the house with us. Now, that was definitely not our choice, and we set a have-a-heart trap to catch the squirrel and move it outside. But one morning, I opened a closet door and made eye contact with a critter. It looked me in the eye just long enough for me to recognize its personality. And then it took off, and I haven't laid eyes on it since. Oh, it's still in the house. I'm it running from time to time, but the weather outside is below freezing, and I don't feel as compelled as I did to expel Mr. Squirrel into the freezing cold. It doesn't make him a replacement for our dog, of course, um, who in her youth loved to chase squirrels, um, but it still remains as a reminder that all consciousness has value and has the capacity to embody the reflection uh and the love of God. I'm sure 
The squirrel is living off the cat food and water that we have around, so we'll let him hang out with us till spring weather, and and when that comes along, we'll let him out. We'll we'll ca- catch him and put him outside. The God, the Bible tells us God makes choices too. When God chose Abraham to father his chosen people, he knew what he was doing, supposedly, because he is God. The two branches of Abraham's offspring, the Jews and the Muslims, uh, hardly seem to understand it themselves. Both claim the chosenness for themselves and their faith. And to complicate things further, the Jewish branch, branch split off into Jews and Christians, while the Muslims divided into Sunni and Shiite, and all these branches claim to be God's favorite. We all claim to be God's chosen people. We want to be chosen because it empowers us to choose for ourselves with more confidence. The confidence, in fact, that as God's chosen children, our choices will be guided to some extent by a wiser, more far-seeing being than ourselves. As God chose his people, he also chose his land. We call it the Holy Land. And that real estate, Israel primarily, has been fought over ever since. The Jews and the Muslims both want it today. Both want it because both believe they were chosen by God to have it. And no two-state solution will ever be satisfying to either. Interestingly enough, when we came to this country feeling that it was our chosen land. Uh, we soon fell into war. Unfortunately, Abraham Lincoln felt that no two-state solution would have solved our problems as well. And so we merged again after the Civil War. The founders of this country came here to gain more freedom of choice. Many of them were religious groups like the Quakers. Um And the goal here has been to broaden our definition of democracy, to bring more equality and more choice to its residents. When the Constitution was written, slavery was in place. According to the Constitution, slaves counted as three-fifths of a person. That was for purposes of representation, governmental representation. The South was caught on a catch-22. They didn't want to recognize slaves as, as people, but at the same time they wanted their numbers counted uh, so that they would have more representation in Congress. Women, of course, were denied the vote. Still, the Declaration of Independence, the document which preceded the Constitution, declared that all men, meaning mankind, are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pretty broad, all-encompassing statement. Well, the impulse to break away from the domination of the King of England and the corporation known as the East India Company, with which the King had a close affiliation, had overwhelmed many of the traditional deferences due to rank, status, and society, and and gender. God saw us all as equal, and the Founding Fathers uh, chose to do the same It's why that great gift from France, the Statue of Liberty, fits our aspirations, our original aspirations so well, when it gives us that poem, give us your tired, your poor, 
your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. When the Jews decided they wanted a king to rule over them, like their neighbors had, God advised against it. God told them placing one human's choice-making over everyone else's would mean their children would be drawn into fighting and dying in king-crazed, ego-driven wars. King Saul, for instance, was told by God not to keep the wealth of the conquered, the spoils of war. But Saul, in his greed, could not bring himself to follow what God commanded. And when King Saul panicked, and realizing he'd made a mistake, and um, chose to have a religious ceremony before the prophet Samuel arrived, which was also against the rules, uh, God withdrew his support. And the king's rule, uh, in the king's rule, and chose David uh, to be the king instead. Hitler came to power in Germany at a time the German economy was already recovering from the devastating settlement of World War One. Still, his uh, promises of making Germany great again gave confidence to his supporters and focused their anger against an element of society that uh, couldn't defend itself. This is a a ploy that dictators use. In Hitler's case, it was uh, the Jewish people. The power of choice and the importance of what we choose and why we choose it are what we come to be judged by, by one another, and uh, religions tell us by God as well. In America, we believe the genius of the Constitution protects us from dictatorship by its built-in checks and balances. They wrote this Constitution beautifully. But fairness in execution and enforcement of the Constitution depends on the honor of the men and the women in authority. And men and women, like all humans, we humans are bribable, blackmailable, threatenable, corruptible. We rely on a balance of power uh, to offset some of this, not just from branch to branch, but within each office as well. What's most dangerous about kings and dictators is the fact they often cannot stand to be contradicted, and they will purge anyone and everyone who disagrees with their agenda. Now here's a listener alert for how I propose to continue this program. First, I'm going to point out some of the reasons I am alarmed about the course of the Trump presidency so far. And second, I'm going to discuss specifically how those who have had NDEs or related mystical experiences uh, can and should get involved in keeping our democracy on course for all of the people and also for the benefit of the world at large. Now, here's how I see the problem we are confronting with our country today. We just elected a president, and his supporters keep saying, why not give him a chance? Let's see what he can do. But we can see his choices already, and in the context of the Constitution, they are antithetical to democracy. In just one month, these are some of the choices the administration has made thus far. Every U.S. intelligence department, including the FBI, the CIA, and NSA, concur that Trump's campaign chose to accept 
and encourage a Russian dictator's influence in getting him elected, in part by manipulating Russian backing, hacking rather, into the Democratic Party um, emails and Hillary Clinton's emails. Uh, that information was uh, gathered by the Russians, released to the Republicans, and used by Trump in his campaign. Furthermore, a 35-page dossier from Chris Steele, a former MI6 English uh, intelligence uh, expert on Russian affairs, that was uh, commissioned and paid for, incidentally and ironically, by the Republican Party when they were trying to get some other candidate elected. This uh, dossier outlines how Putin may have may be blackmailing Trump and may have bribed him as well with the offer of a 19% share of Putin's Rosneft oil uh, holdings in exchange for lifting U.S. sanctions vis-a-vis the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the Russians' desire to drill for oil um, in the Arctic. It follows the behavior of what Putin is doing in other countries, this um, blackmail approach. Uh, as well, and, and leaks from U.S. intelligence agencies claim to have verified parts of the contents of this dossier, although not the salacious ones that um, the comedians on television love to talk about. A second point, Trump has appointed an alt-right white racist and conspiracy theory advocate named uh, uh, Bannon, to be his uh, closest advisor. Part of Bannon's stated uh, beliefs is that war, probably nuclear war, is inevitable. Again, Point has appointed an attorney general, Jeff Sessions, a man who has historically shown himself to be a white racist, who cheered when the Supreme Court a few years back deleted key provisions of the Voting Rights Act making it easier for states to discriminate against voters of color. Sessions called it a victory for the South. And now he's the attorney general who's supposed supposed to uh, have a hand in fairness in all ways for all races in this country. Trump's appointments go on. He's appointed to lead the education department, a woman who is an enemy to public school education. He's appointed a man to head the DEP who has sued many times to overthrow the authority of the DEP. Likewise, he's appointed heads of departments such as energy, housing, urban development, who totally lack the experience or interest in the work their departments are charged with accomplishing. Trump and Bannon are purposely undermining the structure that keeps government a check against corporate lobbying, a balance against corporate control, a check and a balance against the corruption of big money. Trump has appointed a 31-year-old advisor named Stephen Miller, who went on national television recently to state that the the president's judgment must not be questioned. And Trump tweeted his approval. Trump has appointed numerous employees of Goldman Sachs, a key firm in the collapse of the 2008 uh, banking debacle, 
um, to positions of power where their stated goal is uh, to uh, dismantle the banking regulations uh, that were put in place to uh, protect the economy from another 2008-type meltdown. Uh, the last few days, Trump appointed as labor secretary a lawyer who got Trump's very good friend, a billionaire and a convicted child abuser, uh, at least uh, <laughs> since the sentence was so light, they had changed um, the conviction to uh, something equivalent to child abuse or preliminary to child abuse. He, uh, This lawyer won a light sentence for this man's behavior, Trump's friend's behavior. Trump has called this guy a fun guy, which adds a kind of sicker perspective to Trump's recorded remarks about grabbing women in uh, the crotch. Major purges are going on now in the State Department and other branches of the government. Um, the uh, State Department is now run by the former CEO of the oil giant Exxon and uh, Rex Tillerson. Uh, while Tillerson was off in Europe, many of his middle management staff were being laid off. People with years of experience that cannot be replaced in any reasonable period of time. In fact, hundreds of mid-level career people are being laid off. Trump is particularly threatening the intelligence sectors who uh, reported on his dealings with uh, Vladimir Putin. So he wants them out. And um, he's appointing people to investigate leaks from the intelligence services. Uh, the intelligence services continue to investigate whether Putin is blackmailing Trump, uh, as the MI6 dossier and other evidence purports. Here are just two key comments from uh, yesterday, Sunday's news shows, that uh, add to uh, theses uh, that uh, reflect on the Trump presidency. The first was uh, quoted from the novel 1984, which has risen to the top of the New York Times bestseller list in recent weeks. The hero of the story is quoted as saying uh, at the beginning of the book, freedom is the right to say two plus two equals four. Later, after he's been tortured by the oppressive corruption of the system, he says two plus two is whatever the supreme leader says it is. Trump has stated he believes in the power of torture. Well, the second quote from yesterday's news uh, programs came from John McCain, who said, suppression of the free press press is the beginning of dictatorship. That's how dictatorships get dictators get started. It's interesting to note that Trump is now out of the campaign, out on the campaign trail again to tell America that the mainstream press and other media that are reporting critical stories about Trump and the and Trump's administration are promoting fake news and are the enemy of the American people. This tactic comes right out of the Hitler slash Putin playbook for how to seize power. But perhaps the greatest uh, immediate heartbreak comes from ICE, the Immigration Customs Enforcement Commandos Trump has further unleashed. The sound of booted ICE troopers is now heard around our country, kicking down the doors of suspected migrants many of whom 
have lived here for decades as productive residents. Trump claims he is only going after those who haven't met the letter of the law, but the very fact that they migrated here illegally all those years ago makes all 11 million guilty enough in his eyes to deport them away from their homes and families. Here's a poem on the subject. The Nazis first said they would deport the Jews to Madagascar was what the Nazis first said. It was not that much later they decided to gas them. Deport them, they live. But gas them, they're dead. If you've read Anne Frank's diary, you know the real fear when Nazis kick doors down and haul you away. You and your family pulled apart from each other. Jews believed they were Germans till that fateful day. Likewise, Latinos who came here as small children, grew up in our schools, had kids of their own, supporting America, paying their taxes, till immigration and customs enforcing Trump's orders uh, took the parents away as the kids cry and moan. ICE and the Nazis enforcing the plan said, line up, you're going, woman and man, We'll teach you to fear. We'll soon make it clear it's for the good of our country that you are now out of here. It's too late to send all the blacks back to Africa, so we'll put them in prisons. Trumped-up charges will do. It's such a cheap source of virtual slave labor and takes away voting rights like we want it to. On Kristallnacht, when Nazis smashed the store windows of Jewish shop owners, a sign of what was to come. The broken glass pieces shone just like ice crystals, like the tears of Latinos, their daughters and sons. Overall, the history of politics has reflected a slow, unsteady march from dictatorship to democracy toward reducing the absolute control of the rich and powerful over everyone else. We who make a living working for them and fighting their wars I say unsteady, though, because from time to time the rich and powerful push back, and clearly this is one of those times. A dark cloud of self-serving billionaires and generals has settled over the White House, commanded by two people of questionable sanity. Trump and Bannon. And it's threatening to overwhelm our hard-won but fragile democratic rights, rights to choose the direction of our lives in ways that more and more invite comparison to Germany and Italy during World War II. So what can we possibly do to fix the situation? If the problem is so quickly entrenched, as I have described here, how can, how you may ask, can we end the ears, we who have caught a glimpse of the other side, possibly contribute to lifting the darkness? the misused power of an authoritarian takeover. Well, let me cut to the chase. What we are facing, when you come right down to it, is a pack of lies. It reminds me of uh, Alice's trip down the rabbit hole and meeting the queen who screamed off with her heads whenever she was uh, crossed. When fact-checkers rated the truth level of Trump's statements, 
on the campaign trail, they demonstrated two-thirds of what he said was untrue. Two-thirds of what he said was untrue. And since his election, it has only gotten worse. Last uh, night, two days ago, he was talking about terrorism in Sweden to the point where the Swedish government uh, wired back to ask what he was talking about. The problem is that Trump doesn't read, um, doesn't sit through intelligence briefings, watches TV, uh, cable news instead of sleeping, tweets fragments of thoughts, and quotes Fox News as uh, truth uh, while attacking the media for false news. It's um, been described as a mess. Now, what is it the near-death experiencers and other visionaries bring back with them from their experiences that can help this situation? What do they have that most of the rest of us can't claim to have seen? Compared to what we are seeing from this administration, we have to say that it's truth, ultimate truth, truth with a capital T. Endy ears have seen the light, and the light is the light of God's love. That is the truth, the only true source. And the power it contains to dispel the father of lies is a force to be reckoned with. Allow me to quote John's gospel on the subject. This is from chapter one of John's gospel. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world came into being through him and yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. Near-death experiencers and other mystical uh, visionaries give a chosen group of uh, a chosen group of people whose souls leave their bodies, confirmation that our consciousness lives on after our bodies die. But more than that, they are given an understanding of what the phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what that really means. Heaven is a place light, a light that all who see it describe as overwhelming love. How do visions of the hereafter, religion, and politics fit together? Saints, mystics, children of God like Buddha, Moses, Jesus, St. Paul, St. Francis, and Mohammed knew they were given a vision of the truth with a big T, the truth of God. And with that knowledge, they changed the world. They brought God's light into the world. Their followers believe it too and try to codify that truth into rules to live by, spiritual laws that ultimately became Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The structure of these religions quickly followed the model of any political structure with a hierarchy of leaders who often succumb to human weakness. These religions employ the weapons of guilt and fear, even the threat of hell over those who disobey the rules of the religion. And utilizing fear and guilt, such religions often manage to accrue great wealth and power, putting them in the same league as the secular wealthy. 
And working together, the secular and religious elite control the world through the carrot-and-stick approaches of nationalism, corporatism, and religious controls. But what we are witnessing today, with more than 700 NDEs a day in this country alone, is the democratization of sainthood, the revelation of God's light to many, many of God's children. I believe God is sharing these visions of his nature to, uh, uh, to so many these days, not, not just because we can do CPR and bring people back from the dead, but because we are being given the power to become sons and daughters of the light. The corruption that is happening in America today is not inevitable or permanent, but the dying gasp of the old order. It is up to us now to not hide our gift of light under a bushel, but to hold it high and let the love of God shine through. This is how we can work to dispel the darkness of greed and corruption that is struggling right now to take over our way of life. Back in the 1980s, when the Soviet Union was still in power, my wife and I traveled there to sing chorale with choirs from Russia and Georgia. There were there we were followed through the streets. Our hotel rooms were bugged. Our every move was reported. And when we left the USSR, it was as if a great oppressive weight was being lifted off our shoulders. We can sense that weight returning in our government right here, right now, today. But we also know that the power, light, and love of God can change all this in the twinkling of an eye. I truly believe God wants us to do that for ourselves. And with each near-death experience, God is empowering us to make it on earth as it is in heaven. We begin by sharing our experience with those with whomever will listen and whoever will take up the torch and join us in enlightening the world against the darkness that threatens. Thank you for listening today to my President's Day special. We'll return next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, and resume our stories of near-death experiences. This is Lee Whitting wishing you an enlightened week to come.